0: Hello everyone! Okay, I need to think of a better introduction for my podcast. I know some podcasts have this tune, this intro music when the podcast starts or have some kind of catchphrase. I should probably figure that out because now I'm just like, hey guys, welcome! (laughs) Uh, But yeah, anyways guys, I hope you are doing well wherever you are in the world. I Cannot get over the fact that the listeners are so worldwide. I have a little map where I can see where in the world people are listening to my podcast. And it's all over the place. And I think that's so fascinating. You know, to think that someone on the completely opposite side of the globe is listening to my voice is just kind of crazy. (laughs) Anyways, so today I actually have a guest with me. Danielle Van Kay. Danielle is also a recovery coach with personal recovery experience. Dani and me are, I just call her my colleague because we've been doing some stuff together. We have done a buy ed course together and we are now actually relaunching it. So if you do want to join our course, you can go to letsrecover.co.uk and get your ticket. It is a low-cost, eight-day interactive recovery course. We will touch a bit more upon the course later. And yeah, some of you might have seen me and Danielle doing some lives together over at Let's Recover, where we've been talking about different issues, and also you should definitely check out Dani on Instagram. Her Instagram is K. So we have a few different topics we're going to talk a bit about today. It is a bit of an organic conversation. So we, are, of course, we're going to talk a bit about the course and some questions we get about that. And we're also going to talk about extreme hunger. Dani's going to talk a bit about her experience with extreme hunger. And we're also going to talk a bit about what do we do when it is actually the treatment professionals that's holding someone back from recovery. Okay,
1: so I have Danielle here. Hi, Danielle hi guys hi emily how are you i'm good thanks how are you doing I'm well I'm I we
2: just talked about this. I am on the mend of laryngitis. So if I have a coughing fit oh. once in a while, we'll have to kind of like cut that out, but let's see how far we can get here.
0: <laughs> let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. So I'm yes. so glad to have you on and yeah, there are just a few things that I wanted to talk uh with you about recovery wise and also we're going to talk a little bit about our course as well. Uh, But the first thing that I wanted to talk to you about is that you recently spoke about your experience with extreme hunger and how you were eating 8,000 calories. And could you maybe tell us a bit more about this? Like what made you take the plunge to like go for it? And also, how did you stay calm? Or
1: did you even stay calm when you were in the depths of it? Mm -hmm. Good question.
2: Um, yeah, I recently did a post about this and it was very well received. And the reason why is of course, because I think most people can eat maybe not even triple the amount that they're currently eating, but maybe 10 times the amount, um, they're eating. And I think, you know, the, the thing in our culture, we live in such a diet culture and it's very well, people would say, okay, well, this is the like amount that you can eat as a maximum and not go over it. And, you know, especially when you have an eating disorder, that's, that's like the current reoccurring thought, right. But, you know, 2,500, 3,000, we all have these numbers in our heads that that is our maximum. Um, we're okay with maybe eating one Magnum, but like 10 is outrageous. So I had the same thing, of course, because I had an eating disorder kind of like backtracking a little bit I had an eating disorder for 10 years and a restrictive eating disorder Uh, I was diagnosed with anorexia at some point Um, so I've been mentally and physically restricting a lot of foods for like the majority of honestly my um, uh, like adulthood and so I at some point I hit literally rock bottom I physically, mentally, I just couldn't do it anymore. At the same time, uh, I also have had chronic Lyme disease for like a very long time as well. And that, well, just those two things together were so bad. And it was such a hard time. Um, I didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't want to get too dark here. I mean, it you know, the end result, I'm here. I'm a recovery coach. I'm doing great. Like life is really pretty damn awesome but that has to do a lot with the fact that i ate according to my mental and physical hunger which ended up being and that's why i said you know eight thousand plus calories and i don't want people to think that i counted because that's absolutely not what i didn't or what i did do I, i didn't count at all um it's more like an arbitrary number um and i ended up eating just like a shit ton of food basically. Mm-hmm. Um so how I stayed calm, good question. I didn't in the beginning at all. I was <laughs> freaking the F out a lot of the times. Um so kind of an overall view what I did was as follows. Um so I kind of in the beginning I had no well first of all I had no guidance. I was in and out of eating disorder clinics for pff, my God. I think at least six, seven years um, without any good results, because same thing, I got a meal plan. And whenever I would say to my, um, you know, the professionals in there, I would say, you know, I'm very hungry. Can I have an extra snack? They would say, yeah, well, you know what? We'll have to talk about that in our team and we'll get back to you in another week because you could, you could possibly get a binge and da, 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 da. Yeah. So that was that was really hard for me a hard pill to swallow no pun intended because I mean I was starving I was hungry and they actually reinforced restriction right by saying yeah you know what maybe we should talk about that and get back to you in another way
1: whilst I was starving and I had a restrictive eating
2: disorder it's quite weird isn't it
1: yeah it is the treatment professional fear the same thing the eating disorder does
2: exactly exactly yeah
1: it's it's crazy how they're and, and we're not we're not shitting on health
2: care um absolutely. professionals absolutely no no there there's a, a time and a place for everything and i think in some situations it's great uh i think it's very dependent on in which country you are at um i'm well i live in holland so there's that but anyway long story short i um I was just I was just mentally and physically starving and uh in the first so when I kind of decided to take the plunge like I said I hit rock bottom and I don't want people to now listen to this and think okay I first need to hit rock bottom in order to eat x amount of calories absolutely not you can start off right now no matter at what stage of your life you are at right now if you have a restrictive eating disorder or any eating disorder for that matter you are allowed to eat without restrictions you 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 are allowed to eat whatever you want at all times basically right so i don't want anyone to think oh shit now i really need to hit bottom um to give myself the permission to eat that same amount that danny needed at the time first of all that's what i needed at the time so it's not going like I'm, I'm putting basically a lot of disclaimers out here because we're we have the tendency to put like a lot of disclaimers out there just in case people think you know what mm, maybe not maybe you know yeah um you, you're very similar in that sense eh?
1: mm-hmm.
0: 100% yeah. always just and also sometimes I feel like people will you know almost deliberately misinterpret like yeah but but you said this does that mean that no always the eating disorder will come in thing. so basically what what is important to say that you don't need to have been in and out of hospital for several years to follow your mm-hmm. extreme hunger all you need is to have extreme hunger <laughs> and even if you don't have extreme hunger but you are in recovery because people also are in recovery but they go through a phase of maybe having a loss of appetite you still need to eat right absolutely absolutely
2: you're so right about that yeah yeah so um going back to the why I took the plunge well first of all again because I I I didn't know any other way I was um um yeah little trigger warning here I was I was very suicidal because of not because of my eating disorder necessarily more because of the extreme pain due to Lyme disease and It's funny how it goes both ways because, um, of course, food, it's it's like the majority of my life was kind of the enemy, but then it was my savior. So because I was in such extreme pain, I thought, how can I distract myself? And I thought, you know what? It's not rocket science. I have extreme hunger. I am very mentally hungry. Um, I am in, in an energy deficit for sure. I need to gain weight well that's a little again side note disclaimer you don't need to gain weight in order to you know again listen to your mental or extreme hunger um so uh yes i i i just i kind of took the plunge i started off slowly but surely so i it's not like i i went from very very restrictive eating pattern to eating a, like a huge amount um because i think that's kind of a illusion that people think that that is a thing for some people it might be but for me it wasn't so for me yeah.
1: um and also, kind oh, of sorry
0: yeah. also just like if someone is on a very low intake and are quite undernourished slash maybe underway as well, refitting syndrome is also a thing. Like if you are someone who's eating very little and you have have had a prolonged period of restriction, increase your intake gradually just to reduce the risk of refitting syndrome. Medical disclaimer, you know, me, Danny and the disclaimers, there are so many of them. (laughs) But I think that is also important just to say. But Absolutely. when you're out of the risk of refeeding syndrome, then there is no reason to be like, well, I need
1: to increase as slowly as possible, you know?
2: Absolutely, yes. And I think um, it's it's tricky because I had some clients in the past who would always say, yeah, but so my dietitian is now saying, okay, you can't go over this amount because again, you're in the risk of refeeding, but I'm still so hungry. What do I do? Mm-hmm. I'm someone who would say, eat according to your hunger. So if you're still very much hungry, it would be weird for us to say, okay, you say you have a restrictive eating disorder, but keep the re- reinforcing the restrictions, you know? So I would still say eat more, but then also be under medical sur- supervision at the same time, you know? That would be ideal, the ideal scenario because it would be weird for us to say, you know what, just don't eat anymore because in case you get refeeding syndrome because maybe yeah. it doesn't
0: happen. But also refeeding syndrome is something that you're only at risk of in the very early phases of recovery. It's not something you're on the risk of during your whole recovery. It's just in the early phases of your process. Like, Mm -hmm. It's not like the whole recovery. You need to, oh, refeeding syndrome, because that can very often be the eating disorder's way of preventing you from increasing, right?
2: Oh, God. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Overall, have
0: medical
1: supervision in early recovery, regardless
2: absolutely yeah we uh, definitely uh, would that's the again that's the ideal scenario um yeah. and I, when i so when i took again the plunge i um i had like for well basically a two-week time period of increasing uh, my intake and i had no guidance no also honestly wow. no medical supervision because my gp at the time he had no well, I think most GPS honestly have no clue about eating disorders in general. So, um, yeah, I wasn't really under medical supervision. Uh, I had no guidance. I so now we everyone I think everyone and their dog knows about Tabitha Farrar and her vision and her book, uh, Rehabilitate Recovery Wire. This is not sponsored. This is not a club. This is just.
1: <laughs> I always I always being... recommend the book, and I'm like. I'm not getting money to say this. It's just a good book. I always need to disclaim that. Another disclaimer.
2: <laughs> Honestly, I think Tabitha made so much money on the fact that I said to everyone who I spoke to, buy this book. Honestly, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, cr- no, really. I should get some commission. Tabitha, yeah, we should.
1: I'm, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm your biggest it. fan. She deserves everything good like it is. Oh, yeah. It. And it's something that I recommend to clients as well. Um, Absolutely. Because it's, it's just like it breaks down the science. And I think, um, you know, it's a, such an interesting thing what you talk about with your treatment profession being like, oh, don't eat too much. Because, you know, lack of access to treatment. That is a big issue for people with eating disorders, right? But mm-hmm. another issue that I know me and you see quite a lot is actually people getting treatment professionals that simply are not informed. Or properly trained in eating disorders and i actually sometimes speak with people in recovery who work as doctors or psychologists or nutritionists and they tell me that the training the education they get in eating disorders are either very short usually they say it's just it was like (laughs) one lecture and also that is built around stereotypes rather than science very little biology of what's going on. And it's so mm-hmm. tricky because you know me and you we always say, seek help, seek help. But what do we do when someone does seek help and are dismissed? What do we do when someone comes to the doctor and are instead congratulated on their weight loss? What do we do when someone is told by the doctor that all oh, people of your gender, race, age, size, etc. can't have an eating disorder? Because doctors and psychologists hold such big authority and I think this can have people live with their eating disorders in silence for years I think the whole system just needs a revamp. and I know mm. that's what me and you are trying to contribute on I'm like that's what I'm trying to do every day in my own imperfect but persistent ways right so much stereotype around it so the system mm. unfortunately There are, again, we don't want to like criticize the healthcare system in that way, because there are some amazing people. Like I was, I felt I was quite lucky with my treatment team, but, and also the people who are, these people aren't bad people. Your doctor who made like a silly comment is not necessarily a bad person. It's just that they haven't gotten the training, just like there are many things I don't know that much about and probably would say things that make no sense about Hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. I, I recently wrote an article about just the
2: ignorance uh, when it comes to healthcare. There's so much ignorance. And I think, you know, something that we also spoke about a couple of months ago off air is that I think what needs to happen is that, you know, clinicians or people who work in these eating sort of units, centers, whatever they are, they have to be okay with asking questions to yes. people who had. Eating disorders themselves, and I have a very good example uh, for this because I was working with a client a couple of months ago, and she was experiencing uh, same thing as I was, like very like extreme hunger to an extent where she would eat ten thousand calories per day. And she, um, her basically, her clinician thought she was binging. She was turning into uh, a bit. Well, she she basically said, "I'm afraid that you will get." binge eating disorder so I basically spoke with her um, clinician and I so but the good thing about this woman was that she asked questions she didn't say yeah, she she was actually great. She said, you know what? I'm so she works in a very well-known eating disorder clinic in in the Netherlands and um I always have like my you know I'm, I'm like, a little bit apprehensive. I thought oh my god, this is going to be a discussion instead of like a conversation, but actually it was great. She she asked me, so what was your experience? Do you think this is normal? Do I need to be worried about my client or our client? And I said, no, you don't have to at all. This the body will know or the body will everything will settle down it will it will you know this this is the thing the pendulum will swing the other direction for a while your client or our client will experience extreme mental physical hunger for a very long time she will eat a lot of food for a very long time and this is not this shouldn't even be considered a binge um so i kind of like explained my backstory and the whole thing and she was like wow honestly this is the first time i have ever hear anyone saying something like this and again I was I was baffled by the fact that that was her first time hearing that Um, because this is again a very well-known eating disorder clinic in the Netherlands where a ton of people go to and yeah it's 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 great that you ask questions but at the same time I was like wow this is what we're we're at right now you know yeah
1: yeah I love that she asked questions and I also have had that experience with treatment professionals where I have had people who, for instance, like they read stuff on Let's Recover and they actually tell their treatment professionals and the treatment professionals are open to reading articles and learning. And I've had my stuff at Let's Recover being used in you know, hospitals, outpatient programs, inpatient programs by treatment professionals who didn't know mm-hmm. it because... I think it is important when we are talking about, you know, ignorance in the system that we don't demonize people and just assume that they have bad intentions, because it is they generally just haven't been trained, like they have been trained about binging equals binge eating disorder equals eating your emotions equals bad, right? They haven't been actually taught what are the mechanisms behind that? What is the difference between, you know, classic binge eating disorder and reactive hunger? What is like, what is upholding binging they haven't been taught about the very basics of it and when they are you know i really encourage anyone who listens to this who have a treatment professional who might not know about these things inform them inform them in a way where it's not like you're being like oh you are so ignorant instead of being like hey i heard of this very interesting like thing i read this really interesting article i thought you know i didn't know about this i thought you'd want to see it and then they can change you know their approach accordingly and I think it's so interesting that you said that she didn't hadn't heard about it. And this is, we know, <laughs> me and you who work as coaches know 100% that the reason why she hadn't heard about it was not because none of her clients had experienced it. It was because it is something that is not spoken about and the clients probably didn't feel safe talking to her about it. And also, I think in certain clinics, they don't allow patients to kind of go through extreme hunger. They're instead just like, oh, be careful so you don't go, the up. go, to, go from one eating disorder to another, right? But ironically- mm-hmm. The way to get through reactive hunger is actually just to give in and then it goes away by itself with time. And people never believe me when I say this. I can you know, we can show every scientific article, we can give people like biology lesson of what's going on, but people are still gonna think they're unicorns, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and, and the the crazy thing about, um, in hindsight, I'm very happy that I didn't get any guidance when I took the plunge and, and kind of went, well, as they now say, every, everyone calls it all in or whatever it is, like I just ate a, a lot of food in a very kind of short time span. At the time, I'm very actually happy um, that I didn't have any guidance of, let's say, a dietitian or um, a quote unquote health professional, because I think they would honestly hold me back from eating that much. Wow. Um, there was no one saying, oh my God, Danny, are, are you sure this is not a binge? Because there were, honestly, I, I can I can basically sit here and describe what I would eat in, let's say, half an hour. And it would be a lot of food, like a mm. lot of food. But again, what is a lot, that's relative. But for me, that was necessary. And I couldn't eat that amount anymore because I'm not in energy deficit anymore. But I needed that amount in order to uh well, get to nutritional rehabilitation yeah. and um not have extreme hunger <clears throat> anymore after let's say for me, it was around eight to nine months, and um kind of going back to the beginning, did I stay calm? No, there were times where I was freaking out actually quite a lot um but I always say you don't die from uh, a panic attack, but you do die from an eating disorder, and mm. you know that that anxiety curve will flatten accordingly if you keep repeating you know not even your fear foods but also the amounts and the quantities because that is also something which is very common and we we both hear a lot from our clients is that you know they're not necessarily f- afraid of let's say uh, a slice of uh, bread with nutella or two but they are f- afraid of five or six slices of bread with nutella because that is then too much you know for the eating disorders brain uh, to kind of like wrap its head around and yeah. so yeah it, it was it, how how I stayed calm well thankfully neural neural rewiring does exist so mm-hmm. indeed it is a thing I I when I um read Tabitha her book after I went through this entire experience um which again i had no guidance there tabitha didn't um well of course she existed she was alive but she wasn't alive oh, really? <laughs> i th- i think technically she was alive she had a pulse and she was on planet earth um but she didn't have a youtube channel or wrote a book by then that time so when i read her book after i went through this entire experience of refeeding, nutritional rehabilitation, extreme hunger, mental hunger, I was, I was literally like, it was jaw dropping. I was, I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, this is exactly what I went through. And thankfully I listened to my body's needs. Mm -hmm. I went off to the cues that my body was signaling and giving to me instead of listening to someone else telling me you know what you shouldn't or should eat this or that or you know you're lacking some protein here or oh my god are you that that's the most common thing that I've actually heard from some dietitians also with my clients are you eating that much processed foods that can't be good you're eating too much sugar all those things oh my god can you imagine mm. getting that comment if you're, you're if you're in recovery and you have the cravings for energy like dense um, sugary foods
1: my god when i hear this i just want to go and like give my psychologist and dietitian a hug for not saying these things because i'm like thank god it wouldn't mean so much but i think it's I interesting what you, what you said because you were like oh my god and, like You said that you were actually like almost happy that you didn't have like professional support and guidance because the professional support and guidance, it is just so like they don't really know. But imagine Mm -hmm. if you had professional support and guidance, like maybe you had a therapist or a coach, a dietitian or support group, something that was kind of telling you, hey, this is normal. This is okay," And gave you allowance to go, you know, all in and to eat. Do you think that would be helpful if you had someone who could actually tell you like this is yeah, go for it? Oh God, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um we just need more people who know all about
2: this, who are well versed, well informed. Um uh, so yes, absolutely. And I think that's why um I think it's it's so lovely and great what we're doing. Um and, and we both love our jobs because we are the ones who've been through this all and just giving someone else of course, you have to give yourself the permission at the end, but, you know, also giving someone else the permission and saying, you know, what you're feeling right now and what you're experiencing and what you're going through is normal. This is OK. You're, sa- you're in a safe space. You're in a safe place. Your body is just, you know, doing what it needs to do. That's it. And just saying even that. Can help so much mm-hmm. uh and that's why also, also of course why we're launching the courses and you know why 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 we get the testimonials we do because um we think well this has already been spoken about a gazillion times so what are we bringing any news to the table you know but still it's it's it is so helpful for a lot
1: of people 100 100 percent no, that's yeah. such a good point, point. and I also get optimistic because, like, when we do courses, like that, there are some people who work
0: within healthcare who also join, or also like I know some people from my Instagram who are, for instance, like, oh hey, I'm a nurse, I want to learn more, and I'm I just get so happy when I see that there are actually people in the system trying to make a change. It's amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think in life in general, in every field of work, you have to stay curious. You have mm. to stay, you have to be willing to learn about things. Honestly, in the beginning, when I was first started out coaching, I knew stuff, but I didn't know everything. And I I mean, when you first are going to interact with people with eating disorders, or with clients overall, in general, when it's new, it's new, you know, you have to figure things out, you have to you know yeah literally get to know how to work with people and 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 again be curious ask questions what do you need what do you uh, need to go um uh, in order to go further along in your recovery you know it just be willing to ask questions so I think that's uh, indeed like I said it's great see the
1: person not just like the the condition or the diagnosis I mean not everyone is diagnosed but like see the person and be aware that yes an eating disorder even though there are a lot of similarities everyone also does have unique differences in terms of like what approach works for them so I think that's so important you know see the person and learn like me as well like even though I'm a coach even though I've been <clears throat> you know in the recovery space for many many years I'm still learning every day I'm still learning every day and I think that is the most important part I'm always actively seeking out new information and learning and I think that should just be the norm in the healthcare, in mental health with not just with eating disorders but just with mental health in general people who work in mental health should always seek out new information check out what is the latest you know studies that have been launched like listening to the patient as well
2: yeah I completely agree.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I also think is
2: very interesting is that uh, we both work internationally. So we hear what other, you know, you, uh, thankfully, you had a great experience with your health professionals. Um, I didn't. But you know, it's very much dependent on the 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 well, the country you live in, what kind of healthcare system is operating right there and then, um, and what they're doing. So I think that's also very honestly. That's why I say, like, also I'm learning every single day. It's, it's so interesting to see. Ah, oh, they're doing that in France. They're doing that in Switzerland. They're doing. You know, it's to me that's fascinating. Yes,
1: and also just different cultures. Like one, just very small thing that I've noticed is that different countries have different meal patterns like in Norway you tend to eat dinner quite early and then for instance in US you tend to eat dinner very late right so there's all of these things mm. and <laughs> that is so important to just keep in mind different places yeah. and yeah i think that is fascinating that's why i so love working internationally
0: and yeah, just doing yeah.
1: you know perspectives experiences i also hearing mm-hmm. a lot of differences about the systems in different countries because there are people in countries where there is just absolutely, there's nothing. Look, there is like maybe the whole country has like one eating disorder treatment center. Like that's one I heard recently from mm-hmm. someone working uh, and that is, of course, you know, it is devastating because eating disorder still exists just because they absolutely and i think this is the thing you know if nobody's being diagnosed then it might be an assumption in these countries that oh eating disorders don't exist because nobody's being diagnosed but the reason why no one's being diagnosed is because they don't know what to look for they don't know like there's just no awareness there's just no offer right yeah
2: absolutely right yeah couldn't
1: agree more yeah wow this was such a great conversation danny well, I, I agree and I'm so
2: happy happy to call you my friend
0: and colleague at the same time yes. how cool is that yes that is so cool you know that they always talk about the internet being such a scary space but I've met some amazing people connected with some amazing people there so I'm glad the internet Instagram brought us together <laughs> indeed indeed yeah honestly otherwise what? Well, how would
2: would if we met we live in different countries yeah yeah 100 yeah. percent yeah now,
0: thank you so much for joining me and guys you should definitely follow Danny on instagram her instagram is danielle van k check her out uh, amazing posts so yeah
2: thank you babe and i'll talk to you very soon and uh,
0: thank you for having me on thank you okay bye bye I hope you enjoy this conversation, guys. And now what I'm going to do is that I'm very quickly going to take some questions that me and Danny have gotten about the course. So that will be my version of the reader question today. Because we have gotten a lot of questions. We've gotten a lot of similar questions. So on comments on the post we made or emails, DMs. So I thought I'd just race through it real quick. So the number one question we get is some version of, well, is this course for me as well? Does this apply to me as well? For example, some people have asked, oh, but I have bulimia, is it just for anorexia? No, it is not just for anorexia at all. We have plenty of people with bulimia and I also have suffered bulimia as well as anorexia. And we actually have a whole day dedicated to binging or as I call it, reactive eating, and just breaking that cycle. So it's very beneficial for someone with bulimia as well. And also someone asked, well, I have avoidant restrictive intake disorder, ARFID, is it for me? And yes, we have had a few with ARFID attend last time. Some things such as some body image aspects of it might not apply, might not always apply the same way to those with ARFID as they don't always have body image issues. But overall, the feedback from the people with ARFID who attended was that they found it very helpful. And people ask, I have orthorexia, is that for me? Yes, absolutely, and we touch upon so many issues relating to orthorexia throughout the course. And then, of course, I have like unspecified eating disorder, I have atypical anorexia, atypical bulimia, I'm undiagnosed, etc, etc, etc. Yes, it is still for you. We actually don't really operate that much with diagnosis because we find it quite unhelpful and we find that eating disorders, it all... A lot of it has the same root, right? So we don't hyperfocus on what your diagnosis is, or if, whether or not you are diagnosed. It's not really something we talk much about. Another one is, oh, but I have binge eating disorder. Is it for me? And usually the answer is yes, but it does depend on the type of binge eating disorder you have. If your binge started during or after a period of restriction, mental or physical, and you find yourself stuck in a binge-restrict cycle, if yes, then you will benefit from it in the same way as someone with, for instance, bulimia would. But if you are someone with, I just call classic binge eating disorder that has no form of restrictive elements, no past, no current restriction, then you may not benefit of this in the same way as this wouldn't count as reactive hunger, you know, because we talk a lot about reactive hunger, hunger that is a reaction to past or current restriction. So in our experience, most of our audience fall into the first category, which is being stuck in like like a binge restrict cycle uh, or being stuck in a chronic yo-yo dieting cycle. And we actually tend to call this reactive hunger or the binge restrict cycle rather than binge eating disorder. But we also know that a lot of people use different terms. Wherever there is binging, I look for restriction and very often there is restriction there. But of course there exist cases where there is no current or positive restriction. And if so, I would recommend the book Intuitive Eating, a revolutionary program that works. And another one we get is, oh, but I'm not that sick. I'm not like that underweight. I'm not restricting that much. And just some form of version of, oh, it's not that bad. And you know, says everyone, right? Says everyone. Last time we had so many people feeling not sick enough and like almost like imposters. And it's not a thing. If thoughts and actions about food, body, exercise is controlling and negatively impacting your life, you have an issue and you deserve help, support, and resources. So stop gaslighting yourself. This is actually the eating disorder trying to stay overdue by convincing it, by trying to convince you that it doesn't even exist. I often refer to it as Schrodinger's illness, like... I'm not really here, but I'm controlling your life. I mean, those two can't coexist, right? You're listening to this podcast also probably for a reason that you or someone in your life are struggling with a disorder, or maybe you're a health care professional who wants to learn more. If so, that takes me to the next question. Is it also for healthcare professionals, coaches, etc.? Yes, we have had plenty of people join in the past who actually use it as part of their own training. So that is 100% something you can do. And then another question we get is, oh, I am this and that age, is it still for me? And the answer is yes, we have people of all ages. You are not too old, because quite a few people are like, oh, is this only for teenagers? Is this is only for people who are 20, only people who are 30, etc., etc." This is for everyone. We've had so many different ages attend. Because surprise, 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 and eating disorder don't just vanish at a certain age. That's not how eating disorders work. Regarding age, the only thing is, if you are under 18, you should have parental consent to join. And also do be prepared that there is some adult themes throughout, and there will be occasional swearing, so we would therefore not recommend it to children. Other question we get is, is this only for people in the UK, or is this only for people in Europe, or is it only for this and that? No, this is for people worldwide. Last time we had so many different countries joining, it was so fascinating, and... Now already, I'm looking at the group uh, of people who have joined and looking at the countries we have from all over the world already. So it is from people from all over the place. And actually, fun fact, neither me or Danielle are British. I live in the UK, but I'm ethnically Norwegian. And Daniel is Dutch. Uh, so <laughs> the reason why my account is called UK is because .com was taken when I was creating my website and also because I live in the UK. So I just thought that was natural. And another big question we get all the time is, oh, but I'm on vacation or, oh, I have a work, I have studies, I have children, etc. Can I still attend? And the answer to that is yes. How much time you put into the course is up to you. We have daily video courses that are around like 15 to 25 minutes, and then we have the, the content, posted content in terms of posts, and we also have stories and we have a daily assignment. You can race through it or you can really take your time. And it's also up to you how much you engage in the support group as well. Some people aren't even members and some people spend a lot of time there making connections and helping each other out. It's all up to you. And also if you're just inhumanely busy that week, the content is available for 30 days afterwards. so. Last time we had some people who joined and actually did the course the week after, or like a few weeks after. For 30 days, you can access the course content. So do it in your own pace. That's completely fine. And another one is about privacy and is you know my attendance kept confidential. Yes, a hundred percent. We are not spreading the names of people attending our course, our support group. We're not telling your personal details to anyone else. Of course not. This is such a hugely important principle for us as coaches, confidentiality. The account, the Instagram account, is closed and secret, so only other course members can see, look through who follows it. And the Facebook group as well, closed, only members can see what's going on in there. So your privacy is protected. And if you just want to be even more, you know, even more private, you're also free to make a separate Instagram account or a separate Facebook just for the course. We had some people who were just very, 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 they really wanted, they didn't even want the course members to kind of see their name or participants. Then you can do that as well. Completely fine. Just let us know when you signed up so we have the right Instagram name and Facebook account for you so we know which one to accept. Okay, so we have gotten a lot more questions, but this episode is becoming very long. I will answer more questions on my Instagram page and also you could always DM me or Danny or email us and we will answer if you got any questions or any concerns. So yeah, let us know. And we hope to see some of you there. Very, very excited. We're so passionate about this and we got such amazing reviews last time we did it, which was just, oh, I was like almost in tears. I was so like, people were saying the most amazing things. And I also just don't want to be taking full credit for that because the people were actually putting in work This is the thing, I saw people really putting in the work. So it's all them. We were giving tools and resources, but the participants were doing the heavy lifting and putting in the work and yeah, benefiting from that effort. Okay, guys, that was it for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a rating, leave a review. Let me know. I love reading, like, when I get, like, for instance, a DM or comment about the podcast. It really makes me happy. I always do try to answer. Uh, Sometimes I miss them. So if I haven't answered, I promise I'm not deliberately ignoring you. (laughs) I'm such a Pisces. I feel so bad because I know that I have a lot of DMs that I haven't really seen or that i have opened and have gotten lost. So... Yeah, just wanted to let you know that I will talk to you guys next week and have an amazing day and week and month and year of life ahead. (laughs) And maybe I should work on like an outro as well, like some kind of dramatic
1: ending or like a tune that like... Yeah, okay. I'll sort that out another time. (laughs) Bye-bye, guys.